We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 235. Well, Scott, the Yankees had to lose a series at some point, right? They were going for nine in a row, did not get the job done against Texas. Yeah, you can't win every single series. I mean, you try to. It's not, uh, it's not one of those things that you expect to happen. But no, Texas was, they, they came in and they, they hit the ball pretty well the, during the whole series. Definitely give the, the Yankees, I mean, you, you expect when the Yankees are, are scoring 10 runs on the final game that they're going to win it. And it just didn't happen. The pitching didn't hold up, uh, and the Rangers, you know, brought their bats as well. So you, you got to lose one at some point, I guess. And now on to the next. <laughs> on to the next one. Yeah, as Sabathia said after the Wednesday night game, you score 10 runs and you lose. That's unacceptable. Yeah, that and- is unacceptable. I mean, it <laughs> is. But when you look in the grand scheme of things, you're like, all right, you know, something's, something's not going to go your way at some point. So you just move on to the next one. Of course, and and we'll get into how the Yankees have performed over this stretch. Not that this stretch is over by any means. I think they're going to go home and continue to roll because I think they're a good team. But we're going to get into all of that. Before we do, though, as I said, the Yankees are heading back home to play the Angels. And that means it is only a few days away from May 26th, our next event. Yeah, so quickly on that one, I'm not going to go too much into this, but I'm basically speaking to the people that are coming. Um, all of the t- today is Thursday that you're listening to this, and we are uh, 
we've gotten the tickets. They were sent over uh, as we're recording like tonight, and the majority of them, the rest of them will be sent over, uh, transferred over to us by the Yankees tomorrow morning. So I will start the transfer process and getting them all to you guys um, electronically. So do not worry. Do not fret. That will happen. It will happen. Uh, and you can't even access the tickets anyway until 48 hours before the game starts. So it's just the way that the, uh, the, the tickets work on the app. Um, everybody should have their shirts. If not, they will show up like today. If not, then let me know um, because something's going on with uh, with UPS or the post office or whoever shipped it at that point. So, uh, But you should have your, your shirt by this point. Um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be a blast. Obviously, we are uh, the pregame is 3.30 at the brewery. First 16-ounce beer is uh, included in your ticket. Come through the front door like you normally would and go all the way through the brewery. We'll be hanging out in the backyard. We'll have a table set up, and uh, we'll be back there. There'll be a live DJ. There will be um, a food truck. We are going to be uh, out there. Basically, everybody will be outside. So that'll be, uh, that'll be a good times. And then we'll have our own little bar out there as well where you'll get either a um, – you most likely get a, a stamp or a wristband. But come on, bring it on. I want everybody to come, like, super pumped up. I'm making some big heads. We got some Glaber, Judge, little Gary Sanchez, John and Susan. We got some signs. We got some banners. Make your own signs. Bring everything. Bring the ruckus. Drink some beers, and we're, we're going to get loud. This is going to be a lot of fun. Final numbers ended up being right around 225 people. So this is, uh, is going to be a big group. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, last uh, last time it was a Saturday night game on Fox was against Baltimore last year, our first event. We were on the big screen like three times that that, that game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and the Yankees know damn well that we're going to be there, so uh, we will have we will have guys. You know, a lot of the cameras will be on us at some point, so our name will be on the big board. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be an awesome night. It really is going to be a lot of fun. The brewery is going to be a blast too. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, beforehand, and then we'll do that nice, that fun trek uh, over to the stadium. So it's going to be a good time. <laughs> and if you are not able to make this event and you're looking towards the next one, it is June 29th. That's a Friday night game at the stadium versus the Red Sox. That is going to be playoff atmosphere, just like it was a couple of weeks ago when the Red Sox were in town. So go on the website, on the fan shop, check it out. Um, and uh, same deal. There'll be a pregame party, same section, T-shirt, all that kind of good stuff. Okay, so as we said, you can't blame the Yankees offense for for the loss in Texas, the series loss in Texas. They're setting records. Uh, <laughs> like, that's not an understatement. No, there plain and three, simple, they're setting records. Three straight games with at least eight extra base hits. That was the first time that ever happened in franchise history. They hit 12 freaking home runs, for God's sakes, in this series. It was an absolute uh, show that they put on. And they uh, lost the in, series. <laughs> right. That's why, that's why I'm kind of I, – I was planning on leading with the offense this, uh, this, this episode, especially after they took that 10-5 lead. Um, but I still do want to lead with the offense because that – nobody's concerned with the offense. No. Right? No. And that's, it, I, I see all these people are talking about – people always love to talk about uh, trades and trade rumors and, like, who are we going to package for this guy and that guy and – and and half of them now are have, have position players in. I'm like, what are you doing? Why why are you looking at position players right now? That's that's obviously not something that the Yankees are, are going to be looking at anytime soon, unless something glaring comes at them. But even then, why? What's the offense is just fine, and like you could leave the offense like this, no problem for the rest of the year, and they'll be just fine. 
Yes, and uh, if anything, the Yankees have too many position players. They right. can't figure out <laughs> half the half the problems we get, or half the questions we get in the Facebook group and to the email is what are the Yankees going to do when Bird returns? What are they going to do when Jury returns? So you want to add another position player to that mix? Yeah, no, it's a it's it's just I think people see big big names and they want to go after the next guy. You know what I mean? Like we're the New York Yankees. Obviously, in the history of the Yankees, they go after the big name players, and that's what people want sometimes. But it's just not. It's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the makeup of this particular team. They're stacked in the position players. They are loaded. And they're not just guys who are there. They're good players all around the diamond. So, you know, it's it's very clear right now that uh, at this point in the season, what we're looking at, the deficiency is in the pitching staff. And that's the, the, the glaring deficiency if you're looking at this team and looking for problems. Right. And despite the deficiency in the pitching staff, they've still had a very healthy run differential, plus 73 runs since April 20th, which is when they were nine and nine. Um, Now they're 31 and 15. So despite the fact that the pitching we still think needs to be added to, the offense has more than picked up the slack and they're still crushing teams. They're still winning. The average game is like six to three. Yeah. Uh, that's but that's the thing like I mean at some point you're gonna you're gonna go through a, a slump and and as we've seen in the past you know the team slumps happen and while you don't think it can happen with the type of guys that they have and the type of bats that they have on this team it will happen and at some point this team will have to depend on the way that the pitching staff works I mean if you if you think about early in the season too there there were some very good runs uh very early in the in April when the pitching staff the, the starting pitching staff was was you know very good for a couple weeks and you start seeing the other part of the team pick up um, the, the the section that's that's lacking at the time. I mean, we don't expect this offense to really slump when you have a guy like Glaber Torres who's going out there and hitting a home run every night in the nine spot. And but it's going to happen. It will happen. And and the pitching will have to pick it up at that point. But right now, that's where the deficiency lie. Well, we saw Didi, who won the AL Player of the Month in April, be in one of the most horrendous slumps that I've ever seen in the month of May, and the offense still was able to produce, with him batting third or fourth in the order. He didn't get benched until the last two games of the Kansas City series. So they did all of that without their best offensive player in the month of April. Yeah, and that's impressive. That's, that's kind of speaks to the depth and the, and, you know, the, the length of the, of the lineup. Uh, you're missing one guy. You're missing two guys. Well, because you have such, you know, prolific hitters towards the bottom of the lineup, they can pick up the top. And um, you know, I think a lot of people expect now with uh, with we got some guys coming back from injury. Who all position players, a majority of them are position players. Definitely have some guys coming back into the bullpen. But you know, those are those are guys that are going to add to the depth of this lineup and the the depth of uh, of what what they have on the field. A guy like Greg Bird who Didi's been taking that three spot. I know people were, when he first got moved there, they're like, why is Didi going to be in the three spot? I don't understand it. Just because the ready left, it worked out pretty well in the beginning uh, for an entire <laughs> month. Worked out pretty damn well. Yeah. But you have to assume at some point, if Bird comes back healthy and improves and shows that he's, you know, and he's hitting at a, at a good clip, that he's most likely going to be slotted into that three spot just because it fits. So the offense is potentially going to get better. Uh, Didi hit a home run tonight, so maybe that's a sign of good things to come. I encourage people to go check out the website. There are a couple articles actually posted about Didi and his slump and how pitchers are attacking him yeah. right now and, and how he needs to adjust. Uh, really good stuff from from uh, the writers on the website, so go check that out. But let's talk about Glaber. You said it. What did you say? Unbelievable. Just like every, every game he does something – where you just sit there with your jaw open, 
like holy shit the <laughs> yankees the yankees have a phenom on their hands yeah <laughs> and i i i was talking about this with a, a buddy of mine who's actually a white Sox fan is he was he he hates the cubs and he was so happy that glaber was traded to the yankees and the cubs don't have him and they're like people in chicago are finally starting to notice like oh shit we have made, we maybe uh made a big mistake there I mean, there's no way they could say it's a big mistake, though, as a Cubs fan, right? You got your title. You got what you needed to do. That that buys so much time. Even if you miss out on a ridiculous player, the fact that you got your title and the trade, uh, you know, it did contribute to that title. I mean, it would be interesting to see what if that team would have won without Chapman. Uh, but either way, you got the World Series title. You cannot be you, – you can't say anything about that. But the fact of the matter is, is Brian Cashman took – complete advantage of that entire situation and got a stud and then got the and got the guy that we traded both guys that we traded back onto the team so i mean brian cashman looks like a freaking genius in this in this trade and yeah glaber torres is the guy i mean look we've always expected him to be this prolific young guy coming up but man mm, when, uh, did we expect this? well yeah I, well, I mean you can't say that you expected uh seven home runs and 19 rbis and what his first 25 26 games no you can't say that but you could say that we expected him to be a very good player. We expected him to be um, a guy that hit for average. We've seen his swing in the minor leagues. We know it's a it's a good looking thing. But man, he's taken another step when he's come up to this uh, to this platform. And it's so funny because if you look up and down over the past three years, when when we've had these guys start to come up, each one of them it seems like has has taken a massive step forward when they've gotten to the major leagues. And I know Judge had a hiccup in the beginning. And and had uh, you know the the second the the first outing up the second half of that year he wasn't very good striking out at fifty percent uh, of the time but when he came in you know that next time uh, the the next inning or the next inning I can't even talk what time is it like eleven thirty at night the next <laughs> spring and then into the season I mean he didn't miss a beat and obviously we saw what happened it's like these guys are coming to the Bronx. And hitting their stride as they become major league players. It's pretty amazing with the amount of guys that are doing that. Well, I think something has to be said for the fact that the team uh, is winning. They were winning when Judge uh, in the beginning of 2017. And now in 2018, they're winning. So that, that I think also motivates a player. Well, yeah, for sure. But, you know, they've been winning ever since they've played, you know, together in the minor leagues. That was something that we've been yep. talking about for a long time. They've had a culture of winning. Since these guys were, you know, in Tampa and then Trenton and then Scranton, they've had a winning atmosphere together. A lot of the same guys, a lot of these same core guys that have come up, they've had that winning atmosphere. So that's kind of all they know what to do together. They know that they, when they play together, they win together. They they play well. But the the thing that's impressive to me is that you haven't seen very many of these highly touted guys that have come up through the system so far that we've all been very excited about really disappoint that much. No. And uh, Glaber has eight homers now, and they've all come in the last two two weeks, really, because he didn't hit his first home run in, in in his first week and a half in the big leagues. He hit f- he's hit five on this road trip, two off Bartolo Colon, both o- well over four hundred feet, and sandwiched in between there was uh, I think it was intentional hit by pitch by the old man Colon did did not like that the youngster the young whippersnapper got the best of him. Didn't do it. Didn't do it dirty. Hit him right in the thigh. So I don't think any Yankee was too pissed off about it. But uh, you agree that was intentional. I don't know. It was. It, it very well could have been. I mean, Cologne has like two walks all year. He, I mean, Cologne can definitely put the ball where he wants to go. He's got control. He does not miss by that yeah. much. Uh, I think he. 
for whatever reason, <laughs> it's not like uh, Glaber showboated or anything. He just put his put his head down with that Glaber smile and ran around the bases. Yeah, Cologne didn't like it very much. No, I mean the the last home run, the one he hit today, he definitely had a, a, a big smirk on his face. Like I can't believe this is happening again. Keep believe just hit the ball out of the <laughs> out of the park again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cologne does put the ball where he wants to usually, so it, it very well could have been intentional. Either way, he took his medicine, went to the went to first base. Um, everybody kind of let the the forty five year old old man off the hook, and you know they 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 paid for it. He paid for it dearly with the the amount of uh, runs and hits that came off of him. So I think Glaber had the last laugh in that little situation. Right, and uh, I saw a couple people asking how come the Yankees did not retaliate. Well, first of all, the game did not dictate at the time for them to retaliate. They were losing on Tuesday, and tonight, as you saw, they didn't need to put anybody else on base. But I think another thing is they might look at it and say, Cologne, he did it cleanly, and he comes from an era when that was more acceptable. Right. Well, yeah, and it's true. It is true, and he's kind of yeah. He is. He's a, he's a dude that he's been through like four eras. <laughs> he's he's been yeah. he's been through a lot of eras in baseball. So if if Bartolo Colon hits you like right in a good place, right in the back after you're a rookie and took him deeper, like all right, I don't know. It, it didn't it didn't bother me at all. It didn't even no. it didn't even look like it hurt. Just went to first base. No, it was, it was I mean, maybe that was a sign of respect. Cologne doesn't have much on his fastball anymore, so right. so he hits you with a ninety mile an hour fastball in the thigh. I think may, okay, maybe you'll get you'll get a little bruise, yeah. but but that is. About if I'm Glaber, I'm like, all right, you know, he he thought That's enough. A, he thought enough a sign of, of respect. Yeah, he thought enough of me to hit me. Okay, yeah, I did. You so know, I did the, something well. Now, now I'm going to take you deep again. What did uh, Reggie say? They don't boo nobodies. Well, they don't hit nobodies either. Yeah, unintentionally, right? Right. Uh, and he also hit the one off Hamels when no one was touching Hamels too. So an unbelievable series for him. He's very aggressive at the plate. So one thing I think we need to keep an eye on, I know I am, is see how pitchers adjust to that. Right. And if, and if Glaber stays in the zone and stays within himself. Because we have seen a tendency for him to be aggressive, maybe overly aggressive, and swing outside the zone. And I think as pitchers get more footage on him more of a book on him they will continue to expand the zone and it's going to be up to glaber to stay within himself yeah and that'll be if he can make that adjustment i mean that that'll be the next box to check for for a young guy who gets it because not very many guys can really harness that early on i mean we again i referenced judge i mean he, he was swinging out of his shoes when he first came up uh, gary sanchez was doing something similar so you're seeing if you have if you can establish that patience you know, within uh, within your first year, I mean, damn, that's that's something crazy. And we've always talked about how how Torres is is the one guy who can make those adjustments within an at bat. He can make a lot of a uh, a lot of these adjustments on the fly. That's one of the, the the acumens that people give him so much credit for. And you know, if he can make this adjustment where he knows that people uh, the, the pitchers are going to be throwing different uh, a lot more balls out of the zone, and he's able to lay off of them, I tell you what, man, this guy uh, even even if he can't make that adjustment this year, he's going to be special for a long time. If you were making up the lineup on Friday night, do you bat Glaber higher in the order, or do you stick him, keep him ninth, where he quote unquote turns the lineup over? Yeah, I don't have a problem with him where he is right now. I think it's there's nobody glaring that you can move up uh, th- that you would put him. Uh, people will say the leadoff spot, but I don't think. Well, would I don't you think rather? That... Would you rather see him up instead of Tyler Austin? Um. I, it doesn't. I don't think it. It doesn't really uh, bother me too much if if either one I of mean, them are flipped. If, in an, and, if, and, if I'm making the lineup in an ideal lineup, yeah, I'd probably put Glaber in front of Tyler Austin. And Duhar. Walker. No, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Really? Not Walker for sure because he's a switch hitter. Okay, well, all I'm saying is that there. It, it, this is. It, it really doesn't matter if you're batting seventh, eighth, or ninth, other than plate appearances. You get more plate appearances the higher you hit in the order. I mean, you, so, you get some. You get. You definitely get more as this, if you when you look at it. You know, or at the uh, at the midway point, and uh, if you're looking at it at the end of the season, you see a handful more. But it's not that. Right. It's not that serious when you're making up a lineup on a given day. No, on a, on any given day and on a, on. A small sample, no. But like you said, as time builds, then you get more at bats. And I, I would over the course of a season want to see Glaber Torres get more at bats than, than some other guys. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it. I know uh, the stat was thrown around that Derek Jeter hit ninth 77 times in 1996, and in the nine hole he was slashing 345, 393, 457. So he was absolutely raking from that spot. Joe Torre who knew a hell of a lot better, and I'm sure Boone knows a hell of a lot better how to manage Glaber Torres than you or I does, uh, knew, I guess, enough to stick him down there until he saw he was comfortable enough and could handle the pressure of moving up. Now, we've also seen the flip side, where last year, uh, I believe Judge was batting eighth on opening day, and it took a whole week and a half before he was in the cleanup cleanup spot. Well, I think Judge is such a different type of player, too, that, that, I mean, he just, because of the way he hits and the way that he was making such ridiculous contact, uh, and th- you know he made so much sense to be up there. Uh, there's just when you're looking at up and down the lineup, the whole lineup is good, and everybody, uh, you know, is hitting pretty pretty much. The majority of these guys are hitting well right now. So it it you'd have to knock somebody down, and th- I don't know. It's just not a- enough uh, enough right now to do that. Plus, again, the way that what you just said, Boone has a, a very good, I think, finger on the pulse of of the way that this team is working right now. And he's 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 doing very well in the nine spot. So why are we going to change that up when there's really not much of a reason to do that? Yeah, and he is getting plenty of RBI opportunities in the nine spot because, like you said, the lineup is so deep where everyone one through nine gets on base. Yeah, again, and that's that's the biggest reason why I don't think if this team was 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 struggling to score runs and there was a, a, a guy <laughs> in the three spot that was not hitting well. I mean kind of like there is now but um but you know but the runs aren't a problem the runs are not a problem and you know if this if this was if there was a deficiency like a glaring deficiency then i could see you wanting to move him up but right now are you are you going to move him up and drop dd down that's not going to happen that's a there's also you're messing with some chemistry things when you do these things too you just don't want to mess with things too much when things are going well no I, i would probably move him up to seventh yeah, and I, and I know, and that might sound stupid. It's two spots in the lineup. What does that really make a difference? Other than, over the long term, he gets a he gets a dozen or two dozen more plate appearances than the next guy, which is only a positive thing for Gleyber Torres. I guess I don't mind the whole lineup turning over thing too. I know some people are down on that whole like, and they think it's a cop out argument, but I, I I do like the well, optics of it as well. There is validity to it. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Yankees' garbage starting pitching this series. It was just absolutely awful. Texas came in, not a good offense, and they bashed him around. Started off with a mediocre game from Tanaka on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, Tanaka, This I, mean, I was bitching about him, what, last week, about him not being consistent and coming out, and I just, I, I'm really lacking confidence when I see Tanaka toe the, toe the slab because I just, one, he doesn't exude confidence in, in the way his mannerisms are and his body language and uh, in the way that he's he's performing right now, he just doesn't look like he's uh, he he knows where the ball is going to go, or that he has you know a lot of certainty that he can throw a ball to the mitt. 
And and that's a problem, especially when you're working with the uh, the amount of breaking balls that he's throwing and he just doesn't seem aggressive. He doesn't seem like that aggressive guy who's going down on the zone um, and, and confident in, you know, the fact that he's going to get a swing and miss. He seems very, uh, very, you know, I know what you're saying. It's almost like he's he's got the mentality of I hope this is the right pitch, not I know this is the right pitch. He's just tentative. It's just it doesn't seem like anything that's coming out of his hand is with confidence. And yeah. that's that's not what we're used to seeing. I, I think over the past year and a half, maybe we've seen more of that. But at the end of last year, it's almost like you recaptured the right. The, the that's dominance what's so tantalizing, though. Yeah, what he did in October really it was the whole second half of the season, right. but especially October was the Tanaka of 2014-2015, who was the Yankees' number one pitcher. He was a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball. And everyone is saying, oh, well, like, he'll just regain that. Really? Is he just going to snap his fingers magically? Did he, does he have a genie that he can just pull out of his back pocket and say, yeah, let me, let me regain my form from three years ago? Are you confident that he can just snap his fingers and do that? Because I'm not. Well, no, I'm not confident in doing that, but he showed last year that he could do that. So he showed that he can well, snap then what, out of what's himself. Changed, what's changed between last October and, and this April and May? I don't know. You know, this is maybe this is this is something where, where Tanaka, as the season goes on, he just gets he just gets better. And, uh, you know, there's different pressures that, that lead up to it. I have no idea. I'm making shit up right now because I have no idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> I literally I, have I, no clue what goes on in this guy's mind. Because he's got the ability to do these things. But the fact is that right now, he doesn't seem like he's got the confidence. It, I, I, I've been t- I was talking about the body language before and how, he, how he's always like, you know, if he, if he leaves a hanger, you'll see him afterwards like doing his arm motion. Like, oh, I didn't turn it over enough. Or, it's just, it's annoying when I, when I see that. I'm like, I, you know, just fix your shit. Just, just, just be better. You are better. You have the ability to be better. Just do that. It's, this, it's a Sonny Gray thing. It's, it, it's when these guys have all the ability in the world. And for whatever reason, it does, everybody's perfectly healthy. Nobody's hurt. They just can't do it. I, I don't get it. Yeah, he got himself in trouble, too. He walked four guys in five innings, gave up two home runs. The big one was to Odor, three-run shot on a hanging splitter. I thought it was – I wanted to see – we talked about this going into that start. Does he go from the stretch or the windup? Right. Because he made that adjustment in Washington, and it worked. He decided to go back to the full windup. Didn't work. Right. I'm not saying that it would have been uh, a drastically different result if he was from the stretch, but but if he saw such dra- such immediate results against Washington, a better hitting team than the Rangers, why wouldn't he at least test it again? Well, I mean, the three run home run had people on base, right? There was uh, that was from the stretch, was it not? You're, yes, <laughs> he pitched plenty from the stretch in this game. My point is, is he give up a different. big three-run home run at that point when, when he's getting his mechanical? Because if, if, if the reason for throwing in from the stretch is mechanical and you have the confidence when you're throwing from that, you're shortening everything up, then, I mean, the theory still stands uh, on this. It Whether does. he's it starting doing that or doing it when there's guys on base, you should mechanically be the same either way. So doesn't this lead you down the road to saying we've got another mental case on our hands? Isn't that where we all end at the end of the day when we talk about this? No, what it probably leads me to me, leads me to the result of that it doesn't matter if he's pitching from the stretch or the windup. That's not the reason he was successful. It was just a coincidence that he retired 11 batters in a row yeah. in Washington. I mean, I understand why people do it, and I, I, I can see how it could be beneficial. But again, 
you have to believe that something is beneficial for it to be beneficial as well. If your mind believes something that's like, hey, the reason I'm doing this well is because I'm pitching from the stretch. That's a problem for me if that's, if that's uh, going through his mind. But, you know, mechanically, if we're looking at that mechanically and, and everybody's healthy because that's the assumption, right? At this point, we, we haven't heard anything about any injuries. So we have to assume everybody's healthy. And you're looking at two things. Execution on, on the pitches that, that were supposed to be thrown, the game plan. Um, and then, you know, how he's doing it, whether it's mechanically from the stretch, from the windup, what's going on there? Why is this happening? And then the last thing is what's going on in your brain? Why are you not doing this? Why, is your, why do you not have the confidence to throw the pitches that you have the capability to throw and know that they're going to be in the spot that you can throw them? And it just doesn't seem like he has that confidence. We have joked in the past that Tanaka needs a perfect setting to be his yes. best self, and that is a night game on six days rest against a Japanese rival pitcher. Hey now. Well, he, he's going to get the Japanese rival pitcher on Sunday because Otani is scheduled to pitch against him uh, in the Bronx. It's going to be, I think, one of – it's going to be a circus, I think. I think the media attention on that game will probably be the biggest for any Tanaka start of the season. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, Especially the Japanese media, maybe in his career. Yeah, he went against Yu Darvish last year, and it was a big deal. And I don't think – I think I think Otani has surpassed Oh, Darvish. no doubt. I think Otani is on another level. Right oh, there's no doubt about it. There's, that's not even an argument. It, they're 100% he's on another level than Yu Darvish at this point. And, uh, I mean, he's on another level than Tanaka right now. He's the it guy. And the fact that he is going to be coming to New York to face uh, the, you know, the, the guy that was the, the big name for a long time in Japan, you know, that's a, who's married to the pop star. I don't know what <laughs> Otani's deal is, but the, uh, that's a big deal in Japan. So, yes, there's going to be a ridiculous amount of pressure, I think, on both of them. And the media coverage is going to be uh, majorly expanded. The only thing I could think of for uh, from a Japanese media perspective that might get more attention is would be a Shohei Otani pitching to Ichiro, but that is only one batter or a couple batters. Ichiro is not even playing anymore, and he's five hundred years old. Yeah, but. I mean that's if we if if that was uh, you know ten fifteen years ago, then maybe. But at this point, it, right. it would be a it shouldn't be much of a matchup. <laughs> yeah, I, I what's am he going to do? For- slap a single? I mean, I mean you know, <laughs> I am really looking forward to that pitching matchup, though. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun to watch. I think that's going to be one of the one of the highlights uh, in the at least when you're looking at the matchup and the and what what's happening in that game. That's a big deal. I mean, Otani is coming over with a ton of fanfare. We all know how the the offseason played out with him not coming to New York. Well, he's going to be in the Bronx. He's um, going to get booed. I'm heavily. very very interested to see how the Yankee Stadium crowd treats Otani and how he reacts to said right. crowd because I have a feeling I have a feeling our guys are going to be all over him you think he's a little sensey a little sensitive I think Otani? I, I think he's scared to death to come to the Bronx <laughs> I think he's scared out of his mind what was his quote that he didn't like um something about uh, uh two minute something about fans right I don't remember the quote but uh, I know that it, it seemed like the the big city and the big lights were oh yeah, just yeah too yeah, much for city. him yeah, just yeah. he just didn't want to do it he's a you know a kid from a small town, fishing village. I don't know. He didn't want to, the big, the big uh, fanfare. So, well, whatever. He's shut people up so far this season. Yeah, with how he's performed. Uh, he, Herman, I, I just hope he doesn't come up with a freaking blister. You know what I mean? Like, let's just not come up with a blister or a hangnail or some other stupid thing that's going to pull you out of or the a rolled year. ankle. Like the last time he rolled his ankle in in the series, which is why he did not pitch against them in yeah. Anaheim. Right. Herman was was not good at all. No. I. Do you give him a pass a little bit because he had not started in 10 days? He looked a little rusty, especially early on in that game. 
I mean, I guess that's that's something to think about. <laughs> you, you have to, you could say that about this entire series, honestly, with the with the pitching. But um, well, well, Tanaka was on regular. The, the problem is, I know, but the the majority of the guys have been sitting for a long time, bullpen included. I mean, we yeah. saw a lot of walks in this in this series. Uh, the the thing that's that's not you know leading me to uh, give him a complete pass is the you know the outing before that he wasn't very good either. So which is the who's the real who's the real Herman? Is this the guy that they came on, um, you know, for the injury and pitched uh, you know pitched however five innings in that on that game when he came in? Right. Um, he had, well, it was the four innings against Houston of shutout ball yeah. and then the six no hit innings um, in his next start. I am drawing a blank on who they they even faced in that start, but uh, yeah. Then so he who's had the, the one... real guy? That's the thing. Like we need to see now. Now that they ha- uh, people can prepare for him. People uh, teams can can you know they know what he is. They know how the breaking stuff, uh, how it breaks. They're looking for certain pitches. So I think um, the next start will be will be pretty uh, pretty telling on on what we can expect from him at least can he make his adjustments or are there gonna be more adjustments made on the other side and getting the better of him it was cleveland who he had the the really tremendous start against and the second inning was just an absolute debacle all around and and he looked all horrible (laughs) yeah and it was all they were so there were three wild pitches one of them was a strikeout wild pitch which is the most infuriating thing uh i think there was probably one that gary one or two gary sanchez could have done better with but there was also two walks he hit a batter he didn't give up any hits and he's still with all those base runners it was just because they didn't have to swing the damn bat they're like let's just go up there and just uh just stand there he's gonna hit you or walk you at this point yeah he was so wild that gary sanchez got cramps later in the game and had to leave yeah and nobody had any idea what was happening that was a disaster too i mean no one had any idea why he was out of the game for a long chunk of time (laughs) is he hurt is he did he get tossed that's the second time that's happened this year. He left uh, an extra inning game early in the season with cramps. Yeah. Yeah, not a good thing. Maybe you should uh, work those things out. Eat a banana. It, well, this, you could maybe say it was uh, a hydration issue. and it Drink was, some water. Eat a banana. It was, heat. it was heat. But the first time around, I guess it was just, I think that was the really long extra inning game against Baltimore. So Yeah, that was, a, a I mean, I, I do give him a pass for that one. That was a long game. He caught a lot of innings in that game. It was a long game to watch on my couch. I can't imagine crouching behind home plate. Right. Uh, Sabathia tonight was, was also terrible. Uh, he was cruising f- through the first three innings and then just could not put hitters away. This is now three starts in a row. Um, have not looked that great. He had gotten off to such a great start on the season. Are we seeing a market correction on CC? Um, I don't know if we're seeing a market correction on him. I think we're... Um... I think we're just we're just kind of seeing him not execute his pitches, and unless he is really on and really locating his breaking stuff, then he's he's hittable. I mean, last year we saw he was he was locating very very well. I mean, he he had turned that corner uh, where it seemed like it was a it was a big uh, a big task for him to accomplish, you know, with the diminished velocity and his new stuff. But last year he really pitched well and he executed his pitches well. It just it just seems like he's not executing his pitches, not finishing his pitches, not finishing those breaking balls. You know the walks. I'm not concerned about the walks because that's kind of who he is now. He's got to pitch around the um, around the middle of the plate or off the middle of the plate on the edges. He's got to be that guy. That's who he is now. Can't pitch the you know not that 95, 96 mile an hour fastball that he can uh, throw down the gut. So he's going to walk more guys. But what we're seeing now is him not getting out of the the uh, the, the problems that he was getting into last year. Well, we're seeing also the thing that made Sabathia so successful 
was the soft contact. And right. tonight we saw two hard hit balls that went out of the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, that's with a- with, with men on base because uh, the first one was a two run homer to Mazzara. And then the next one was a three run homer to Guzman. So, so that's if he's given up soft contact with men on base is one thing. But when you're giving up hard contact with men on base, it's a totally different story. But and it goes it, back it, to location, though, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of that goes back to location because when you're locating the yes. ball in the places that you want to, you're going to. Uh, you're you're going to get soft contact when you're leaving the ball over the plate and you're and you're leaving a pitch that's up and hittable. Then you're going to get smacked, and that's just the the reality of the way he is right now. He's got to hit his spots. If he doesn't hit his spot, if Greg Maddox would throw the ball over the middle of the plate, you know, through his entire career, we would not be talking about his name because nobody would remember him. The, the <laughs> what made him so great was that he could put the ball wherever he wanted to on the outside of the black. He didn't throw that hard, but he could locate Ed anywhere at any point. That's, that's who he was. Andy Pettit was the same guy towards the end of his career. He could locate his pitches, his breaking stuff. His fastball would jump on you because his breaking stuff was so good. That's what CC is. And if he cannot locate uh, th- these pitches, then he's going to get hit around. Yeah, I think Texas also did a good job tonight of backing him into a corner. They fouled off a lot of pitches, made him work, especially in the fourth and the fifth inning. So it was, I think it's a combination of things. CC needs a lot of stuff to go right in his starts to be successful. I, I, unlike Severino, who cannot have his good stuff, can have things go wrong, but he can still just take the ball and throw it past you. You know, CC can't do that. There's anymore. also something to be said, too, about uh, who pitched this series, too. And if you look at the guys that, that threw against Texas, Tanaka, Herman, and then CC, none of these guys are... I mean, Tanaka's still throwing 94 miles an hour, but few and far between. Uh, then Herman's not a, not a, you know, not a, he throws a lot of breaking stuff. You, you're seeing three guys that throw a, a good amount of breaking stuff. So the game plan could have been very similar. You know, the, these guys are, are kind of waiting back, sitting on the breaking stuff, making sure that they're getting a pitch that they want to drive. Um, so you're not seeing Severino get in there and, uh, and mix it up in the middle anywhere, or even Sonny Gray who's throwing <clears throat> consistently 94, 95 miles per hour. So you're getting a similar look. Um, granted it's uh, lefty righty, but you know you're not you're not facing that night that guy who could throw 97 98 miles an hour but you could say that about all their pitchers except severino right but when you're well I, no again sonny gray i think can he could still dial up a fastball he could still throw a fastball 94 95 miles an hour consistently and and yeah. he could throw it up and and even his fastball when he's on his fastball comes out of his hand and it it comes on you faster than a 94 95 mile an hour fastball yeah, I think it plays faster. I actually don't yeah. even think he's hits 95 on the gun, but it might play like 95. His 92, 93 might play like He was definitely hitting 94 95. on his last outing consistently. He was hitting 94 quite a bit. Got to check those guns down in Kansas City, I think. Yeah, well, maybe they're a little hot. But the, the, the thing is, is that if you're seeing a similar look and you're, and you're really just preparing for um, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, you know, it could be a similar game plan. I don't know. I'm kind of throwing things out there, but at the same time, I could see it being a, a, a bit of an easier task when you're not throwing Severino in the middle there. Well, we saw the Sabathia give up the four run lead, and then Sabathia plus the bullpen give up the five run lead that they had. Right. Are you at all worried about Robertson? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's he's he's had some uh, some very good outings, and then he's had some bad outings. Right. Uh, so I don't know how. I'm not really worried about him at this point because I know we got other guys coming in, and I think once this bullpen is fully, fully rested and fully armed, then he's going to take on a different role, and uh, I, I think he'll adapt to that role just fine. So, no, it's too early for me to get worried about him at this point. We should have Canley back, actually. The reports this are weekend. on Friday, yeah. yeah, which is huge because I think we've seen some things happen 
uh, where the Robertson and um, Batances are probably just used too much. They yeah. need to be used every time the Yankees have a lead, every time there's a high leverage situation, because those are the guys that Boone is going to trust the most. And like you said, Robertson will go out there and he'll strike out the side and say, David Robertson, he's just, that's who he is. And then he'll go out there and give up three runs versus Oakland, or he'll, he'll give up a three-run homer to the number nine hitter uh, against Cleveland, or he'll go out there and walk a run in tonight and then give up a bases-clearing double. It's kind of been like Jekyll and Hyde, David Robertson. He's taken the mantle from Michael Pineda on that one. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, no, he has, he's definitely not been the, the lights out guy. The the thing is with David Robertson, like towards the end of the season last year too, he just, he came on like, like, like a, you know, a bat out of hell and was on a mission, um, to, to do anything and everything he could possibly do for this team. And I just feel like he's that guy. So when you're asking me if I'm worried about him and we're talking about, you know, because when you get worried about a guy, you're, you're, you're worried if you can rely on him, I think, late in the season with, with our particular situation. Late in the season, uh, in, in situations that, that, are, uh, that are big and, and that are going to be vital. And I, I just don't. I don't worry about that, that guy because I feel like at, by that time, he'll be work his kinks out. He'll be good. And, and he's a guy that does have ice in his veins that I absolutely trust in big situations because we've seen it a million times with him. Um, and he's he's built that credibility. He's built that, you know, with his with his work. He's he's got the body of work. And we've also seen sneaky sneaky like uh, Holder has yeah. earned himself maybe a little bit more trust. I, I think actually Boone has trusted him a good amount. Maybe he's earned more trust from Yankees fans. Well, yeah, Boone's trusted him from the beginning. I mean, if you remember, which is the problem in the beginning. Well, yeah, but I guess, but he just wasn't pitching well. I mean, maybe the maybe the situation was a little too big for him at that point. Maybe he just, you know, he didn't uh, he didn't obviously execute on, on on the beginning of the season. But ever since he's come up, he's been freaking lights out. The guy's been really good. So yeah, I think Boone has shown confidence in him since spring training. Really, he had a great spring training. Came up, um, Boone put him in big situations in the beginning. Every Yankees fan was freaking out because he didn't do well, and it just didn't work out. And, uh, and and now it's working out. So now Boone looks smart, and 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 Holder looks good. But actually, he's taken another step, and he's he's becoming a, a good, solid relief pitcher. Is that one of the deci- one of the things I think we got on Boone a bunch for early on was his bullpen use, and uh, I think it's tapered. Obviously, that happens when you go on a a run like they went on, where they've only lost five games in the last month, but. You're but talking about people you... people giving him uh, grief for the way that he yeah. runs the bullpen is, has tapered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Except for Batances, but yeah. Well, Batances, are you talking about second inning of work thing, <laughs> second, which we saw again tonight? Second inning Batances, people are not happy with. And it's always it's always something in the second inning. He might come out and get absolutely shelled, and you say, "There you go, second inning Batances." <laughs> he might come out like against the Red Sox and give up a pop fly that is a Yankee Stadium home run, but then I think he struck out at least two of the next three guys, or tonight he might come out with, with wild pitches and, and wild pickoff throws. And it's, it's always something with him in his second inning. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot more, uh, a lot more factors in that second inning. You could tell, I mean, it's pretty very, it's very obvious that everybody knows if there's a runner on base, you run when Batances is pitching, you just go, whether you, whether you're messing with him or, I mean, it's basically a, a free base. It's a free pass. Cause there's no chance in hell one, he's going to make a successful pickoff move that's you know anywhere close to good <laughs> that's going to get you picked off, or he's going to come home in a timely fashion that Gary Sanchez or Austin Romine, whoever's catching, has any chance in hell of throwing you out. So, 
I mean, it's almost an automatic. And that's got to mess with you as a head, in your head when you know you can't get that guy on first. You can't stop him from going to second before you even throw the ball. Maybe you should work on that. I don't know. Maybe practice it. <laughs> practice makes perfect. Uh, okay, so rate Boone's uh, ejection on a scale of mild-mannered Joe Torre to psychopath Lou Piniella. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. He wasn't even on the a level of Girardi at that point. Girardi comes out. You know, oh, Girardi's hot. Yeah, we're used Girardi to seeing veins hot. popping in Girardi. Like this, oh, th- he, I mean, he would become look like he was going to burst, like yeah. a red, like a fanatic. The guy was a nut. Covering um, home plate, kicking dirt. Oh, yeah. Girardi, Girardi got his money's worth all the time. Boone has only gotten through. We all know Boone has only gotten thrown out one time in a game. It was his first game. They said it 100 times during the broadcast. And it was not even really over anything. He didn't argue or anything. He just threw his helmet, and the guy ejected him immediately. And that scarred him for life, apparently. And it scarred him for life. He, you could tell immediately after he threw his helmet. He's like, what did I just do? And my dad's going to yell at me. He's going to kill me. And <laughs> I'm grounded. Yeah. And, uh, and this one... Look, I, I call I called this. I'm like, this. Th- he needs to do this. He's just got to go do it. He's got to get someone's back, and he's got to get kicked out. It's just going to happen. He needs to do it, get it over with. And he went and did it, and he got it over with. And that's kind of how I feel about it. He got it over with, yeah. gave the guy a little jaw. I have no idea what he yelled. He's like, I'm really mad. I'm going to yell at you. This is my first ejection. Yeah. And, you know, it was a, it was a quick hook, which, which I think led um, away from his success of making it a better ejection, because I think it was a little bit of out of surprise. Uh you know, he wasn't even really trying to get ejected at that point. I don't think. So, you know, I, I think well, it's fine. You got to get about, better at it. You got to, you got to, you got to give the, the man time to improve the ejections as well. <laughs> when you're yelling about strikes, balls and strikes, though, you're asking for it because I mean, these that guys is the always one do thing. Uh, they're always, but that's the one though. thing. It's the one thing umpires don't tolerate, though. They tolerate it all the time. It's it's they, it happens all the time. It's it's the excessive. It's the one more time that you do it, and it's usually deeper in a game after well, they've been was yelling doing all, it all night. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you're doing it all night, and then it's going to happen. But they're chirping from the dugout all game long, every game. If the guy's off a strike zone, it's you know it's what happens with the umpires, especially in that particular case. Like I, I personally, I can't stand that that ejection at that point. Nobody else hears it. You're not showing anybody up. He's doing it from the dugout. Just shut up. Take the take the <laughs> verbal abuse. Say something to him in between innings after the game, whatever. But there's no reason for you to toss him at that point. He, he wasn't doing anything to show you up. He wanted to be part of the game again. And that's where I have a problem with umpires is when they, you know, because they, this happens all the time. There's chirping from the deck out to the umpires every single game. It's just a matter of, of you know, uh, whether you can tolerate it or if you know you're wrong. <laughs> if you know you're wrong and then you're like, all right, I'm sick of this guy telling me, so I'm going to boot him. Maybe next time I'd like to see him get some props involved. Throw his hat, kick some dirt, then maybe go big time, steal a base, do stuff like that. Yeah. Again, he's got a maybe an impression here and there. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get better at it. You know, I just think this one caught him a little off guard. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh crap, I'm thrown out. It's, it's what do time. I, do? I gotta do this. It's time. <laughs> what do I do with my hands here? Okay, I guess I'll go out and yell. Roster decisions. Uh, I thought it was very very interesting that the Yankees started Neil Walker at third base. Um, it was his first start at third base on Monday. He was in all three of these games. I, I think we are. We have said this for two weeks now, but Neil Walker's job is very, very safe when yes. Bird returns. Oh, 1,000%. Neil Walker absolutely has uh, a part on this team. He's got a very valuable role in this team now. We're seeing yeah. the bat come around, and that's all we were waiting for because you know he's played a pretty good first base. He's played... Uh, he's been able to step in there and play, I, I think, a pretty good first base. I haven't seen anything glaring saying he's been bad. Um, 
the fact that he can go over and play third, he can play second base, he can he can hit from both sides of the plate. I mean, that's a valuable guy. Yeah, and he's he's the first two home runs of the season uh, in this series as well. Like you said, I I also feel very comfortable having him come off the bench late if you need somebody to have a quality at bat, get on base. Yeah, I like his mindset too. You could tell that this guy was really frustrated in the beginning of the season and really like working hard to get over the hump because he just he was you could just you could see the frustration all over him. And I like the fact that he wears his emotions on his sleeve even tonight in the ninth inning. When he, uh, he, I mean, he just missed the ball to right field. He was definitely trying to hit it out of the park, and, and he thought he, um, he had a pitch to hit, and he just missed it. He was underneath it a little bit, yeah. but it, it was a good pitch to hit, and he knew it. And you could tell immediately he knew he didn't get it, uh, and he was frustrated. I, I like that. I like seeing that emotion. I like seeing a guy uh, express that because you know what that means. That means they have they have high expectations for themselves, and I think that's what he does. You know, when the when the early uh, comparisons were with him and Chris Carter. It just doesn't make sense because Chris Carter had no expectation for himself. He was just like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe they let me in the club still. Like, you know, he's whispering it to himself. Neil Walker is a professional, and this guy wants to do well, and I like that. So I think barring them sending a pitcher down, which I'm not totally ruling out, it's between Andujar and Austin on who goes down. I, I'm leaning just to Austin for... I guess versatility's sake, Austin is only a first baseman. And now if Bird comes back plus Walker, you already have two first basemen. And then you don't really have a full-time third baseman if you send send Andujar down. But Austin has produced and he's hits left-handed batters. So if they want to do a lefty-righty platoon with Bird, maybe they keep Austin. Yeah, I, I think Austin's the guy, though. I mean, Boone's been talking him up the whole time, saying he's a very valuable part of this team, blah, blah, blah. It's like a lot of this is lip service at this point to kind of like yeah. just reassurance. Like, we're going to send you down, but I'm going to speak really highly of you in the media just so that everybody knows that you're a big part of this team. But at this point, the way that the uh, the way that the, the roster is working, again, it could be a pitcher, and, and they could switch these guys on and off. I mean, they after the game tonight, as we're talking, they optioned back um, Ryan Bollinger from – he went to, back to double-A. I hardly knew ye. Yeah, har- hardly knew who you. And he came up for uh, a split second and got set back down. So this, I have a feeling in the month of June, we're going to see a lot of pitchers. The Scranton shuttle is going to be fully gassed, yeah, ready to go. One and a half days off, pretty much. Yeah, and we're going to see a ton of guys just circling up and back. So, uh, But if there's a position player that's going to go down, it's got to be Austin. I, I, I don't think they're going to send Enduar down. So I, I think Austin's I, the guy. I agree with you, but I also would would say that we have not seen the last of Tyler Austin no. this year, and I think whoever gets sent down, Andujar or Austin, they will be back. For whatever reason, they will be back. For, for whatever reason, yeah. I mean, the, the thing on everybody's mind is, can Greg Bird stay healthy? That's the biggest question mark right now. When or he, what the hell is going to happen with Brandon Drury? Like, yeah, he, he's recovering. He's testing, testing glasses down in the minors, but... Yeah, nobody knows. What, yeah, exactly. What, what, like it's just it's just such an unknown with him, right? Uh, but but the thing is, even with him, uh, it's not it's not a it's not a need. It's not a glaring need right now because of the way Andujar has come up and played. You know, Greg Bird adds a different element to to what the the lineup currently has, and you know, you could say that Drury, you know, maybe he's a, a better professional at this point in his career, but maybe not. I don't think there's much of a um, you're not missing much with him we don't down know, right though. now. That's unfair to say. I, I mean, we don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like you don't you don't know yet. But Anduhar is my point is that Anduhar has come up and played very well, um, and yeah, and we're yeah. not seeing uh, uh, an area that needs to be um, addressed. First base, 
They he, could improve his defense. Sorry, they could improve a third base defense with well, Andujar versus Jury. If you can't see the ball, you can't catch the ball. So <laughs> that's also a big problem. It's important. <laughs> but but uh, Chris Carter knows that firsthand. Yeah, at first base, you have a big power lefty coming in, coming in, and that could potentially be a three hole. Like that's a difference maker. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think of the audition that Cole Hamels put on? Tuesday night for the Yankees. I definitely thought he. I definitely thought he <laughs> knew damn well what it was. And well, shit, yeah, he did. His comments before the game were like, "Yeah, I could see myself being traded to a contender like the Yankees." Yeah, despite the fact that the Yankees are on his no trade list. I, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the um, the interaction with uh, w- with him when he was getting when he, he was basically told that he was wasn't coming back out uh, at the after he pitched well. And you just the big shit eating grit on his face, like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I, I'm good. You don't don't send me back out there. I did what I had to do. I showed what I had to show. I don't even want to go back out there. I, I don't need it. Well, he's got to want to get out of Texas. So oh yeah, bad. he's gonna get out of Texas. I mean, that's gonna yes. happen. He's someone will trade for him, whether it's the Yankees or or not. Um, and you know, if he's a fully healthy Cole Hamels, who is you know semblance of uh, of of the Cole Hamels of the past, depending on what that what that deal is and and who you're who you're giving up. I mean, he, he could be a very welcome addition towards the end of the year. Honestly. Hell yeah. I, I'm actually surprised at, at some fans that are saying they want no, they don't want anything to do with Cole Hamels. He's like as if they – see, this is – People I think, don't want to pe- give anybody up. That's, that's the mentality. But the, no. what people don't realize is that they have to give up somebody at some point. I think, there's, I think what's happened is Verlander ruined everything last year. Verlander came over and was so far beyond good that now everyone is just looking for the next Justin Verlander trade. That's not going to happen ever again. They, the Astros did not acquire Verlander to be their ace. They already had an ace. He turned into their ace, and they were damn happy it happened. But th- when they acquired him, Verlander was having a pretty average season for Verlander in Detroit. And they thought if we can get a little bit more out of him in Houston, great. They ended up getting Cy Young caliber Verlander out of him. Now, I'm not saying Hamels will come over to whatever team he goes to if it's the Yankees and turn into Cy Young Cole Hamels, but what if he's 20% better than he is in Texas? You're telling me that is not a gigantic upgrade? Even if he is the exact same pitcher he has been in Texas, that is a gigantic upgrade for this rotation. And the with him, he's got a... I'm looking at his, his contract for next year too, and he's got a buyout, and that's he's got a, a vesting option that's not going yeah, to we, happen. We, we went over this uh, last week. I believe, what is it? Um, he needs to pitch 200 innings this year, right? Yeah, it's a lot. Of, he's got to pitch a lot of innings. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. So that the, there's a $6 million buyout, but it's a, if it did happen, just for conversation's sake, at age 35, it's a $20 million base sound, uh, contract. And obviously nobody wants that. But at the same time, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So there would be some kind of a buyout. You're looking at a guy that is uh, will come over and again if healthy and he's 34 right now. I don't know when he's going to turn 35. How old's Verlander? 34, 35? He's got to be 35. He's two years younger than me. He's 35, 36 at this point. So he's actually younger than Verlander, which I bet if we made a lot of people choose who's older, everybody would say Cole Hamels. But Cole Hamels, uh, you know, he's got more of an injury issue. But if he could prove that he's fully healthy. He's a damn good pitcher when he- when healthy. A damn good pitcher. And look what he did to the Yankees lineup, who are stacking right-handed hitters. The Yankees have absolutely murdered lefties alive this year, and Hamels looked pretty good against them. You have Cole Hamels, a guy who is a, a lefty, uh, and-, and you're coming in late in the year, games at Yankee Stadium. 
good good weapon to have a lefty that has postseason experience and can come in a veteran guy uh, and knows how to pitch in big games. Uh, that's another thing that you cannot you can't really uh, you, you can't quantify. I don't think is the is is his mentality in big games. The guy's a gamer. There's no doubt about it. He knows how to pitch. Uh, he's a good pitcher in big situations. And you know again, health is the biggest thing for him. If he is fully healthy, if he has shown that he is healthy and he's able to throw these innings and we're not seeing much of a, a, a diminished Cole Hamels, then you got to look at it because everybody has to understand this. At the end of this year, the Yankees are not going to be able to protect all these guys that we have. They're, they're just not going to be able to protect all of them. So something's got to give. You know, I, I, I don't want to go out and give, you know, maybe a, a, a huge name for a guy like Cole Hamels, but, you know, it's not going to take uh, just a, a couple of low-level minor leaguers either. Um, well, that's, that's the million dollar question, right? Is what, what are you willing to give up? And, and I I think you're kind of dismissing the fact that, um, the Yankees would not be interested in Hamels for 2019 as, as well, because at most you're looking at one and a half years of Hamels. I don't think that is that long of an investment to make on a pitcher who can be a quality middle of the rotation guy. No, but I'm saying you're not you're not going to be um, you're not going to be locked into that twenty million dollar contract if the option doesn't invest. That's a big but deal. He, but even if you are, it's one year. You can still. Swallow. But it's not. <laughs> That's the thing. It's it's not going to. It's 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 almost out of reach at this point with the amount of innings that he has to throw. I just don't see it happening. So I, you know, no worst case. Well, if, worst case scenario would actually be a great case if you traded for Cole Hamels and he actually met that innings limit because that means he's doing something really good. That's true. If you're at that point and he's doing things well and he's on your team and he hits it, then yeah, you can look at it that way. Uh, but again, th- this year we're talking about um, you know making sure that they're under the 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 tax threshold and all that too. Well, the money's got to work for for the Yankees, and uh, it, it seems like it would. If I haven't really gone through what his base is this year, I think it's uh, 22 and a half. 22 and a half. And um, I do know that the Phillies are paying two and a half of it. Okay. So, and so whatever back off when they acquire him. Ten, you're looking half. about 10 million bucks, give or 10 take. to 12 million bucks. So, you know, it'll be, it, it could be tight, but uh, obviously if he were to come over, uh, you know, Brian Cashman would make sure that it would work. And, and that's, that's going to be one of the considerations. So yeah, the uh, again, health. That's it. That's my big thing with Cole Hamels. If he's healthy and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, then yeah, I wouldn't mind him on the team. I think he'd be a, a, an asset. Yeah, no shit. Because right now he would be your number two pitcher. Uh, that's brutal. But yeah, right now the way it's lining up. Of course, the way that, yeah, that's not even a question. But but we're we're so we're not even remotely where we will be at the end of the year. I mean, what I know we've that. seen what, what, what these guys have, have done and the transformations after what Tanaka did last year from June 30th on. Um, I, I do expect Sonny Gray to be a much better pitcher. Uh, maybe not the, the guy that we saw last time, but something, something much closer to that. So, yeah, I, I do think that the, the Yankees pitching staff will be much better throughout the season. And I, I don't but, expect I don't expect Cole Hamels to go through the entire season fully healthy either. That's a big thing. Like I'm saying, yeah, I, w- I would like him if he's fully healthy, but that's a big if. That's a huge if. He's got shoulder problems. He's not getting younger. Those don't go away. It's also an if for there are a lot of the Yankees pitchers, right? But it's a bigger You're taking if a for risk him. with all these guys. It's a it's I a think. big if for him for even to consider him as a trade candidate at that point. Yes, and not to um, mention we got to look at who else is out there. Who else are you going to give me? Who else can I go out there and buy that's going to be a better value and longer term? Because you know damn well that's what Cashman's looking for as well. We've seen that he's not just looking for a mercenary for one year. He'll he'll go for one if it makes sense. But also he's looking for guys that can contribute into the future. 
And that's factored into the price of the prospects. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, okay. So as we said, Yankees come home to face the Angels. Sevy is going on Friday. Sunny on Saturday for our event. That's the second time we're seeing Sunny Gray. He pitched pretty good the first time out, so maybe we're good. Luck he for better Sonny pitch Gray. well, man. I swear to God, I'm gonna be. I am gonna be very, You're gonna very drunk if, if he's not pitching well. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're gonna hear it from everyone. If good, bring it on. Sucking. I'm gonna give it to everybody if he's pitching well too, because nobody, nobody, nobody says a damn word when Sunny Gray does well. Only when he does badly do I hear any chirping. That we also get to see Romine, who's t- figured out how to uh, step up his, his offensive game. Yeah, he likes to hit the ball to right field now, too. So maybe we'll get a Romine home run ball. Yeah. And then the matchup, big matchup, Tanaka versus Otani. Uh, any last words before we get out of here, Scott? I'm excited that you won't hear from us until the event. I'm sure we'll be all over um, social media doing that stuff. But yeah, if you're coming to the event and you have any questions at all, just shoot me an email. It's better to email me than hit me up on social media because we have so many social media <laughs> accounts. Sometimes the DMs are not seen immediately. It's hard to keep track of everything. So if you really want to get a hold of me, email me at info at bronxpinstripes.com. It's the best way to get me. Boom. Looking forward to the event. Whoever is going, I will see you there. And as Scott said, we'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.